Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. I'm your host, Danger, and joining me as always is my co-host, Monster. Say hi, Monster. Hello, good morning, welcome, welcome. Yes, cannot talk about an album to its fullest as we do without you. So, on this episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast, we are going to be talking a newer album, probably the newest album we've talked about yet, and uh, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But it is Bad Omens, The Death of Peace of Mind. Now, Monster, tell me what your thoughts were going into this, what you knew about this band. Go for it. So I had heard the name and I had seen some of the like bills they were on. So I kind of had an idea of what to expect. But this is a new genre tag that I'm inventing. I like to do this. Okay. Uh, We've done that a few times on the show. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we might have to make it another segment. I don't know. We'll see. But I like to call this nightclub core. Okay. Because it's it's this specific brand of metalcore that really focuses on modern 2020 pop production. And sometimes that, as we've often discussed on the show, being a feature, not a bug. And I think that depending on the band, depending on how much of each they put into the mix, it can be one or the other. So I, I kind of had an idea of what to expect. And this is a little bit more of the nightclub core than I expected. I think their older stuff was probably a little heavier. Am I right? So the nightclub core, I think, that you're referring to is actually a big uh, part of what I have to say about this album as well. The uh, the uh, the push for synth and uh, that um, dark emo, what you would expect to hear like a dark rave or an emo night somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. So it's heavier. This album is heavier in some places. It's not in many others, you know, older stuff is heavier in certain ways, but this album really kind of was a lot different for them overall. Yeah. And, and so for any of our listeners, it's not quite, clear on what exactly i'm trying to say a lot of modern pop production is really low end rumbly dark bassy tones for the for the bulk of the music but then like high pitch synthy earwormy stuff for the melodies mixed in and what basically these guys are doing along with bands like palisades and slaves and Amorosa and even like a little bit of issues and sleep token they basically just add the heavy guitars and screaming vocals with that style of production and i think on this album is a really really good example of both when it's done perfectly well and when it's done a little bit subpar but we'll get to that as we get into each song i think when it's done a little bit muddy is the best thing i could put to it because that's one of my biggest criticisms of this album is while the production is on point in so many places, mm -hmm. there are quite a few standout noticeable places where it just feels muddy and just kind of smashed together and doesn't feel right. Yeah, and there's a few songs on here that we'll get to that I feel like they leaned way too hard into one thing or the other. I think when they really do it well is when it's a blend. And there's a few songs where I feel like they didn't blend. They just went all in on one thing to the detriment of the overall song. More so in one direction than the other. But again, I'll save that for when we get to the actual songs. But I, this was about what I expected. Now, you had, you've had actually sort of been a fan of these guys for a while, right? You've seen them live before? So I saw them 
before at I saw them last year at Blue Ridge uh, Rockfest, and they were great. They were they were a lot of fun live. And the thing about it is their live show, and I think it, yeah, it was right a few months after this album came out. Actually, no, this album came out in what was it February, and then Blue Ridge was in September. So it had been a you know a good long while. Anyway, they're a lot heavier live and a lot less of the synth, uh, mm-hmm. you know, nightclub stuff. And I think live, I think being, uh, you know, more grounded in your instruments, I think is more important. And we've talked about here how we don't want to go see a band play the songs that are on the album. You know, I want to mm-hmm. see a band play better versions or the versions that were meant to be on the album. And I feel like that's kind of what they did. Now, okay. I know that I had mentioned this to you, but there's a, a track on this on this album that, you know, when we get to it, I'll jump back to this. But after like the first or second song, the lead singer walked off stage and he came back out with a ski mask on. And then the next song they did was like one of the one of the heaviest songs that they have. And then he took the ski mask off and it was almost like he put on a different persona for it, which these guys tend to lean into the theatrics live, but mm-hmm. it's almost like they, I don't want to say they're scared to or afraid to, but it's like, they just, they, they haven't, they're, they're not quite at the point to where they're going to grasp fully onto, onto that. And yeah, it's and a fun so- live show. I'll tell you that. I'm going to see them again here in just a few weeks. Cause as of recording this next weekend is actually Blue Ridge. So. Yeah, and that was something I was also going to say. I, I listened to the album several times and got a, a feel for the vibe and the mood. And then I watched the music videos for this record and some live performances. And it sort of changed the way I looked at it a little bit. Because, like I said, sonically, I like that nightclub core term. I feel like that's what it is. It's hard metalcore riffs mixed with big, low-end, bright, poppy production. But... You can tell from the music videos and some of their live performances, they're not wearing like that genre of music, like the way those guys dress. They don't dress that way. The lead singer was wearing like a trench coat. He had on one black glove and it was very like theatrical and artsy. And so that's what sort of started to lean me more into the sleep token vibe. The, the, the difference is there, Sleep Token is definitely a lot more proggy. There's definitely, you know, eight, nine, ten minute songs. None of There's none of that here. I, I wouldn't say Sleep Token. I would just say the theatrical side of performance. Because Sleep Token is like full on into that. And yeah. these guys just kind of lean into the fact that it's a show. And I could get behind that. Well... Yeah, but but again, and I and I think I text you after I got done watching the music videos. I was like, I'm pretty sure there's a story here, and I watched it out of order because I think they are trying to say something, and whether that comes across in the lyrics, I don't know. I think the lyrics are very specific about what he's singing about, but the videos they're at least trying to portray something bigger than just the the basics of the songs. Now, I don't know the story. I'm not a huge fan of these guys. I enjoy parts of their stuff. You know, I they're not yeah. a band that I can, you know, go everything they put out is great. I'm not going to do yeah. that because I think that if you're going to do that with anybody, 
you're gonna go ah you're gonna get to the point where it's like ah, the you're not really a fan you're a just zombie at that point like you with 311 like you don't like certain parts of what they've done you don't like certain things and I appreciate right. that about you, especially what was it, their cover, uh, what was the cover they did? Love Song. Love Ugh. Song. Yeah, see, your response right there tells me that you're not, but... They've got, they've got a couple other covers that are genuinely good. I I don't know, man, that one just... Ugh, yeah, it just, just doesn't get you. So, I'm not a diehard fan of these guys by any means. I like them. Well, I like their live show more than I like their album, I'll say that. And so, I will see them live other times you know if they're on a bill with somebody else because i don't feel like going to see them by themselves i'm just not there well i'll tell you this man when i first started this album it was checking a lot of boxes yeah. and as it progressed and i'll get into sort of the ebb and flows of the tracks uh in a few minutes but when it first started i was like this is kind of hitting my sweet spot i'm feeling this then it kind of drops off and then the last couple tracks happen and it's checking all my other boxes. So yeah. I'm like, there's and and so full disclosure, as I as I like to say, showing my cards up front a little bit, this was almost great. There's a few right. things about it that hold it back from from me being able to just fully embrace it, start to finish, and be like, I love this record. I really like it. I think it's above average. But I can't go to full-on love committal because of some things that we'll get into. Yeah, and I'm actually going to go with something that we've mentioned a couple of times with a couple of other albums. That in in the Limp Biscuit one actually jumps out to me the most, where you feel like it's two separate albums that were just kind of smashed together. And I think mm -hmm. part of that is because it's a 15-track album. And whenever we get a 15-track album, it's like, okay, well, why are we here? Why is it this long? And I feel like this album is actually two albums. There are yeah. three songs that I would nix right away, and I think that would solve all of our problems. And I think <laughs> that we're probably going to agree on what those are, but Play. but we'll, uh, we'll dive into it um, here in just a minute. So I will say that the, the production value on this album as a whole is on point it's like every album sounds exact or every track sounds exactly the way they want it to sound you know it is what it is and it's it's good the production and the mixing of it because there's not any point to where i feel like there is a a voice or um a bass or drums or guitar that isn't where it's supposed to be i just feel like sometimes they're trying to put too much in the foreground or too much in the background, and that's where it sounds a bit muddied. But I do think the production on it is great. Now, I will say that I did listen to this album so much that I ruined it for the lady. <laughs> and it was while I was just tiling the shower, and so it was like I couldn't like turn it off because I had tile crap everywhere, and it was like we're just going to keep listening to it over and over again. So I do also appreciate the atmosphere and the experimental value that they put into this album but that's also where what hurt the album in itself yeah and i'm looking at um some of the uh production side of things and the guys that are working behind the board make a lot of sense uh the guys in the band are listed as producers but there's also this guy named eric ron yep. who worked with 
set it off issues, but then they also worked with like Silar and Attila and Godsmack. And so there's your, you know, what we just talked about. Yep. Um, and then there's another guy mixing and mastering Zach Cervini who worked with Limp Biscuit, Blink-182, Machine Gun Kelly. So you got big budget guys working on this, which it feels like a big budget record. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you get a really well-crafted album that feels very formulaic because it's almost like you can feel when the breakdown's coming. And it's almost like the songs have a structure to them. And I have no problem with structure. I have no problem with formula, but it, you know, I'm, I'm wanting people to break that formula that we've talked about that, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, breakdown, verse, chorus, you know, it's, it's just what it is. And I will say that reviewer by the name of Simon K on Sputnik music, he said the production is punchy and has a dystopian cyberpunk feel to it. I get that. I get that. 100%. Yeah. So, and, and, or, or modern pop. Like, I, right. I feel like the biggest names in modern pop right now are doing that exact same dystopian cyberpunk soundscape. So, either way, I think I, th- I agree with that for sure. So, let's jump into the track listing. It's a 15 yeah. track album. Let's run power through. Let's, yeah, power let's do through. it. <laughs> All right. So, track one Concrete Jungle. I said it's a I will say that Concrete Jungle is, uh, I think, was supposed what they wanted to be the name of this album because they then called the tour for this album the Concrete Jungle Tour, and so okay. I, I feel like it was kind of a, a, a back and forth on what they, they were going to go with. So I actually think this is a great opener for this album. It is a slow burner. The first good chunk of the track is very heavy electronic track. And then it goes into that just gut wrench of a breakdown and you just, you feel it hard and heavy the whole time. It really leans heavy into the new metal territory mm-hmm. of what it is, but not so far that you're going to lose people that don't like new metal. I think it's a great opener because it does do what we have talked about many times of it's giving you full flavor of everything that's about to come. Yeah, and at first I was a little on the fence because the first couple verses have a very Muse, Imagine Dragons kind of thing going on, which Fair isn't enough. really my, my jam. But I like that the first verse, they use the same bass line for the first verse and the second verse, but there's this little synth note that goes up on the second verse instead of down, which gives it this like building sensation that I, I enjoyed. And then when I knew the heavy thing was coming, I was like anticipating it and I really liked it. I actually put in my notes at 222, there it is, the heavy riff, the record scratching. Did we just turn into New Metalville? I think we did. I, it had a very, like, uh, I think in the video, the guitar player is actually just scraping his pick on the guitar, kind yeah. of Tom Morello style. Right. Um, it definitely has that new metal bounce and scratch vibe, which is, you know, right up my alley. 
So I was, yeah, like the it builds for a little while too long, but I like the second verse. And I knew what was coming. So yeah, I like this one. It's a good opener. I would say that we went into like the new metal suburbs, not quite downtown to where there's the CD. Yeah. No, you don't go downtown in, in a trench coat and little booties like he wears. No, if you don't have a backwards hat and Jinkos, you stay out of there. They don't like your kind there. (laughs) So considering Jinkos aren't around too much anymore, downtown's pretty sparse. (laughs) You're going to make a comeback. Actually, I think that Jinkos has, has started now. So, um, but I do know what you're talking about with that little part that goes up because if you're not paying attention, like, you know, you and I have definitely done for this album, you don't really notice it. You just feel it. You just feel that things are going up and getting bigger. And I think that's a really clever thing whenever bands do it, where they make uh, the bass go up half a note or, or whatever they're doing. And whether it be, uh, you know, keyboard bass guitar whatever if they are giving like one instrument at a time like one little bit like something grows it gives the song a feeling of growth and building and i think that's super smart and they did that here another reason why i think that this is a perfect opener for this album it's not my favorite on the album but i agree that it's a good opener and and the point that you're saying is like the bass line stays the same but the melody that accompanies it is playing the same notes, but instead of going down, they go to the octave up, and that's what gives it that building effect. And I agree. I think that really, the whole song sounds like it's driving. And and this is where I get a little tiny taste of the sleep token, because it's like a faster, poppier, more upbeat version, because it is just kind of building and building until it reaches a really heavy drop, you know? So... I want to jump to track two, Nowhere to Go. Now, from the little intro at the beginning of this, I felt this was a modern day Lincoln Park track. And yep. so this is that, that little intro they do. It's a Linkin Park intro. This song is fast paced and energy for miles and, you know, or energy for four minutes and six seconds, as long as this track is. This song works well coming off of a slow burner song, especially a slow burner song that ended bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's catchy. This is for sure a circle pit starter. And I'm not talking about a pit starter. I'm talking about a circle pit starter because you've got a song that's pumping out tons of energy. You got to get people moving <laughs> to get them to get that energy out. And I do like how the band here does something that I felt like I feel like Linkin Park really did, which is they are making heavier music more accessible by blending the punk energy and the the sounds like this and i think that that's actually why this song gives me leakin park feel through the entire thing now yeah you are a much bigger leakin park fan than i am but i do like that that's kind of what they're doing here 
And, and I've mentioned that before that uh, <laughs> Lincoln Park core, whatever you want to call yeah. it, but there is, that is a common thing amongst metalcore these days. If they're not going full on nightclub production, they're going more in that techno y synthy direction that Lincoln Park did. And I'm, I'm cool with that too. Like you said, a huge fan of, of the first couple records Lincoln Park put out. And basically, they it seems like a lot of the more modern metal bands like to steal Chester's vocal style and some of the production quirks and just leave the rap and piano stuff out, which, I mean, that's part of Linkin Park's charm, but I get why it doesn't necessarily fit here. Um, and then I agree with everything you said about the the driving nature of the song. The vocal melody and his, he's got a little warble in his vocal that gave me a little bit of a Post Malone vibe, yep. which again slots in nicely with that modern pop mix that they're going for so yeah this was another solid one so again like i said we're checking boxes yeah i got a little new metal i got a little lincoln park i'm i'm feeling this and then take me first there it is full-on nightclub core to a T, that's what that sounds like. You've got that huge modern pop production with sexy verses and then a big rock chorus. Like, this to me is, I feel like their sweet spot. It's heavy and aggressive, but it's smooth and sexy all at the same time. Yep. Now, Take Me First is a state out on this album to me. Um, and it is that post-hardcore sound of Rain City Drive or Slaves as they were Yeah, I always before. forget that they changed their name, which, yeah, I mean, Slaves yeah. is a terrible name. I'm wearing the shirt, the Rain City Drive shirt. I had to oh, no. uh, break, actually, I did it completely unintentionally. I just threw the shirt on. Anyway, um, and hey, Amber Rosa. I have my notes up high enough that all I see is your eyes and forehead, so that helps me stay focused. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so, this song is... I. I feel like what should be a lesson in how to write a great song because it's just, it's good from beginning to end. The guitar is on point here and the chorus on this is actually what jumps out the most on this song, but overall it's a great, great song, but that's actually one of the criticisms I have of this band is I feel like their choruses jump out more than other parts of their songs. Now, mm -hmm. is that a bad thing? No. No, not necessarily, yeah. but they show they've got hooks for days and it's all wrapped into their choruses and that, that's fine. But a lot of times I'll throw on a song or in the beginning of this, I threw on a song and we go, I don't know this song. Of course, like, I, I know this one. I, I know. Right. That. And that's actually what happened with this song was the chorus jumped out so much to me beforehand that, you know, since going and cramming it into my brain more and more, I now know the song from beginning to end and I think it's a fantastic song, but this is one of the places where the chorus jumps out with red flaming flags and hits you in the face. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The verses are not as memorable. However, track four, The Death of Peace of Mind. So this one to me is almost the opposite. 
yeah. we are still 100% in nightclub core, but the verses are a little bit more subdued. And in this song is the first time where he really goes full falsetto. And he almost sounds like a female vocalist, which works in, in some respects. I kind of like it, but let's just get it out there. This is a horny song. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is a horny song. But, you know, he almost sounds like a female vocalist, but then you have some female vocalists that sound almost like a male vocalist. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I say that it's complimentary because we are four songs in and we've heard this guy sound like Muse, Post Malone, and Ariana Grande. Like, I mean, I, I give the vocalist, I think his name's Noah something. Yeah, yeah I don't remember um, his last name. I got it written down here. Hang on. Noah Sebastian. He's got two first names. Perfect. He should. That's that checks out. Um, I, I commend him for that. Whatever you want to say about his lyrics, I think vocally he's extremely talented and has a lot of range and a lot of control. I, I like I like his voice on this song a lot. So I was impressed with his vocal control on this song, but the falsetto that he hangs out at until 38 seconds does not work for me exactly. The The falsetto, okay. as long as he holds it, if he had like done it as just like an accent on certain parts, where he Yeah, changes, he does the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, he changes his voice for, uh, for like a lead into the chorus and then the chorus and a little bit after the chorus. And I kind of wish he had stayed there, but mm -hmm. I get it. He is a extremely talented vocalist. He's actually kind of a musical genius. I watched a video on YouTube uh, during quarantine where he basically went around the house um, and recorded just different sounds from like smacking the couch to like <laughs> scraping something or dropping keys or somebody walking downstairs and then just sat down at the computer and like listened to each clip, cut them and then adjusted them and made a badass song. Now, he put a lot of time and a lot of work into it, but he was also in lockdown and he had the time. So, that sort of thing. Yeah. So his vocal control is great. This is another one where the chorus is catchier than the song, but I'll agree with you. The song still, the, the rest of the song does jump out. It's got a damn good breakdown in this song. It's just, yeah, it, it's got a hell of a breakdown, but the blend of, of melody the uh, ear theatrics, as I've I've come to think of them as, and this is one where they really slotted in the middle side of things on this one. Just and just I appreciate be prepared. It. Just be prepared for some some rather naughty lyrics. Oh yeah. It's, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> kind of dirty. I wish I had written down some of the lyrics because. Oh, I've I've heard this enough that I have them just about memorized, and I I will not repeat them on air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so, it, 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 it's it's a horny song. It is. So go in. So let, let me, um, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I have to mention the next two songs kind of back to back. Track five, What It Cost.
and then track six, Like a Villain. When I first was listening to this album, I think I probably had my headphones on. I had Spotify up in the background. And I remember thinking, good Lord, does this song really need an intro that's like two minutes long? What is going on? Because I knew the guitar kick was coming in. And I was like, I like that song, but why is the intro so long? And then I realized what it cost is basically just like, what, a minute and a half, two minutes long? Um, um, it is a minute and 43 seconds. And okay, so what it costs is. Interlude. Yeah, it's just an uh, interlude with vocals and it's just heavy 80 synth with a violin. That's really and all it is. Once I realized what it was, I skipped it every time. <laughs> yep. And that's the thing. It doesn't add a lot here. It doesn't add a lot on this album. I feel like this is actually the beat is what I remember live, the live intro. Like, you know, yeah, see, that's and that's what that sounds like to me. That sounds like the intro to the show or right. Um, one of the things that our band does is we actually have little music interludes between most of the songs. So it just kind of keeps rolling. Even in between songs, there's still a little bit of sound going on. It gives you a it's minute to that, tune or whatever. And yeah, that awkward, weird silence that you have in a club with 30 people. Right. So that's what this sounds like to me. Like, it's not bad. But once I realized that it's not the intro to track six, like a villain, I just skipped it. I, di I didn't need it. And I like I like track six. That, that was yeah. not yes. one of my favorites. Good. Yeah. So track six is good, like a villain. But track five is a, a build up to what the breakdown of like a villain is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it, just it rolled right into it. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. But. I will say, for those of you at home counting, track five, what it costs, is the first track I would cut from this record. I don't know if it needs to be cut or if I would agree with it needs to be cut or if it's okay as an interlude because you've just given us four tracks of Hammering It Hard. Now, if we were not talking 15 tracks, I would say leave it there. But since we are at 15 tracks... I don't think an interlude is needed here, especially since we get what we get further on down the line. This isn't like the halfway mark. This no. is like before that. So this is the third. I, yeah. Mark. So I, yeah. I either move it or just trash it. I would trash it. Maybe shorten it and put it in with number six, like a villain, because, you know, yeah, but villains long enough. It's almost four minutes, right? It's three minutes, 30 seconds. And Death of Peace of Mind was four minutes, one second. I mean, it's yeah. so that that four, oh, and then the next song is four minutes, 21 seconds. So, you know, four to four and a half is actually a pretty standard yeah. length of a track for them. So I say shorten it, put it in with the next track. You don't need it as a separate thing altogether. Yeah. Just leave that beat to the live show because mm -hmm. that entire the the beat and the 80 synth really worked as an intro to them live. Now, I'd be interested to see if they're going to do the same thing when I see them next weekend. I'll let you know. But it is it is what it is. Sorry. Like a villain. Now, 
this was one that kind of took off a bit. It was a it was a, a late bloomer, if you will. Right now, it is sitting at sixty thousand or excuse me, sixty million seven hundred sixteen thousand one hundred ninety eight streams on Spotify alone. That does not include from Apple or wherever else. And they have a music video for this one too, so yeah. I'm sure it's got million plus views on YouTube. Yeah, and this is a big one live. Um, I actually really enjoy this song. It gives a good a good feeling for what their overall sound is because it does put in a lot of that that uh, synth, that electronic stuff, the uh, the the dark um, emo, the the uh, what was it emo? What was it you were calling it? Nightclub core. Nightclub core. Yeah. This, this also has the first taste of a little hint of industrial yes. that they'll they'll embrace a lot harder on some later tracks yes but there's especially with the way this song starts and i guess because the you know track five is almost like just an extended intro to this track six just kicks right in with the guitar riff which they don't normally do that so i like them mixing that up um which is which is why i think that track five is necessary maybe not as a separate track and to the length that it is but yeah. I think that it's necessary kind of as an intro to it, at least something before that guitar hits off. Yeah, I, but, you know, up until this point, we haven't had a song that just started with guitars. That's true. You know, That's true. And so I kind of liked doing that when I would skip it. And this is one where, you know, it, like I said, this one's good. It's not one of the standouts to me, but I love that line in the chorus where he says, I don't want to know all your secrets because I'll tell it's hard enough being alone with myself. Yep, that's that's a good line. I like that a lot. Well, this is a song that was about him being gaslit by somebody, by a relationship okay. he was in. And so once I knew that, it's kind of you know kind of went back and looked at the lyrics, and I was like, okay, that I get it. It makes sense. And that chorus, you know. It may not make sense right off the bat, but once you kind of break it down and get into it, yeah, it, it works. So instrumentation is tight on this song. It's good. It's like, this is just a solid track. It's not my favorite, but I always like it. And I think solid is the right terminology. It's, yeah. it's a good song. Is yeah. it great? No. Is it better than some of the other songs on here? Absolutely. It's right in the middle. But I think it's interesting that you pointed out that this is where you start to get some of the industrial flavors of things because this was another one where I really felt like they really put in some of another part of that accessible uh, Lincoln Park heavy elements in mm-hmm. with the electronic elements. Like I felt like it was just a good, you know, a good entry in things. And I feel like this is what this band is doing overall, which is kind of making this heavy thing a lot heavier mm-hmm. or a lot easier to listen to. So, with all that being said about Like a Villain, what do you think about track seven, Bad Decisions? No religion. Just bad, bad decisions. You can be all I got. What's the difference? Let's slow down. Are you ready for a danger esque pun? Sure. I think it was a bad decision to put this on the record. No, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> this is number two that I would cut from this album. Okay, so this one is one that you're coming off of a banger. 
and then you give me a sobering electronic track <laughs> that is a slow unneeded thing here his vocals are dull on this one you know it, bigger in the chorus and he pulls it off there is nothing about this song that makes it sound like bad omens this right. to me if you would have told me this was the new single by the weekend i probably would have believed you yeah. it just sounds like a mediocre modern pop song with very little distinction to make it special uh and this is where I start to think about the sleep token stuff again. Like, is there a point to this? Is there some sort of story that they're trying to convey here to include something like this? Because musically, I, I don't, it doesn't fit to me. Okay, so where I had talked about track five, maybe shortening it, and then... Okay. I said the same thing. Maybe cut this, maybe cut this down to more of like, just a verse in one hook or something and just have a couple of these little like minute long minute and a half long sections might be neat but as a full song i think it goes on way too long so i feel like within this album there's actually a a good ep but the thing about it is you know you got to be in the right mindset to listen mm -hmm. to some of these and this is one of those and so take what you cut down from track five and put it as you know, the intro to the EP, the electronic EP that Bad Omens is putting out. And there this belongs go. on it. I don't think that this song is filler, but I don't think it belongs here. You know, it's not, it, it doesn't me. work entirely for me. Yeah, me neither. And it kind of reminds me of your say from the Issues album, Beautiful Oblivion, where it's not a bad song, but it doesn't fit with the overall vibe of the rest of the record. Right. You almost wonder if Noah, obviously vocally, he's super talented. Why not just do like a solo electronic record and do songs like this? And I think it would go over well. But when I'm in the middle of this album and something like this comes along, I it it doesn't sound like moody and brooding and atmospheric it sounds dragging and like dull like i'm like you said i'm rolling and now i'm not rolling <laughs> right right with you 100 it's not a bad song it's not a good song for here yeah maybe the placement is wrong here because i feel like this would and to uh to take your your phrase i'm going to show my cards <laughs> maybe this belongs in the back half of the album well, okay and and so here's and it i think that's a really good point because let me let me tell you something here track eight just pretend I've been listening through the album a couple of times. I make my notes pretty much almost the first time I listen. Like I'm jotting things down as I listen. And then as subsequent listens, I kind of tweak them and, you know, yeah. my opinion changes after I hear them a few times and stuff. So when I first listened to Just Pretend, I was looking back at my notes. I was over it. Like I was like coming out of bad decisions. I was like, oh, man, this one just kind of feels sort of the same. Like there's a little bit of guitar here, but it's. I don't know, but now like I, I'm aware that bad decisions is going to happen, and I don't love that song. 
once I got past that, I like this one. Kind of like like a villain. I don't think it's great, but I do like it. I like some of the riffs that are in there. And it's got a nice big chorus. Yep, chorus uh, is huge. And and they do this like vocal crooning harmony thing. Near the end of the song, that sounds really neat. It's got some kind of envelope on it, but I like it. It has a real neat kind of vibe to it. Yeah, the, it, I had to get past the fact that bad decisions starts to like taint my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> and just hear it for what this song is. And a couple more songs coming up, it's a very similar situation. But this one's okay. I like this one. So, this is a crowd favorite. This was one that the crowd went crazy for. If you ever watch a live performance of this song, the crowd is going nuts. Now, this is a viral TikTok song. Now, I don't know if it's be- if it's a crowd favorite because it was a viral TikTok song. I don't recall ever hearing it on the the TikToks. You know, I, uh, it didn't jump out I, to me. Is that? I'm so old. I don't even have the TikToks. Um, I've got the TikTok. I have the Instagram, I have I have the book of face, but uh, Sarah has the, the, the TikToks, and I don't know that she's ever heard it, but I do watch Reels, and it has not popped up on Reels. So, so old man, how much is a stamp these days? Okay. Uh, so they're 37 cents, but sometimes you got to get the extra one depending on how much postage you need. Yeah. So, all right. This is a, a track that actually was doing something that I wasn't really aware that was happening with them, but I talked about how uh, another one had uh, 60 some thousand streams or 60 million streams. This one, I actually watched go from 112 million yesterday to 115 million today. <laughs> yeah, it is well, just, it, it's booming. It's going. I would say at least a million of those are me and you listening to the album over and over. Right, I you must have listened like- to it a lot more than I did. <laughs> the one thing I will say is, the song is great. The bridge kills the momentum of this song. Yeah, I, I like the I like the vocal thing going on so much that I agree. Like momentum wise, it does tank, but the vocal is interesting, so I I still like it. And it may not have been the same for you, but I felt like the breakdown wasn't breaking down enough. It wasn't big enough. It kind of was a noticeable break in what was happening, but it wasn't like a, all right, here we go. Like there have been on other songs. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I thought it was fine. You know, I still really like the song, but there's a thing about this song that I think is great. So, you know, being in the studio, you guys develop little end jokes and and kind of run with stupid ideas. This song started as a stupid idea. They were joking around about wanting to write a butt wrong, a butt rock song, mm-hmm. and it started as a joke, and then it turned into this great song. Yeah, and I think it's great that you know it, it doesn't sound like a butt rock song at all to me. It doesn't sound like a not. It doesn't sound like 
um, anything other than a Bad Omen song at this point. And it might be because Bad Omens wrote a damn good song and put it out, and it's just a really, really good song. Well, well like Bad Decisions doesn't sound like a Bad Omen song. Right. It sounds like a modern pop song. Yeah. Whereas a song like, you know, earlier in the album, Take Me First or The Death of Peace of Mind, sounds like a Bad Omen song that incorporates modern pop into it. I feel like Just Pretend is a Bad Omen song that incorporates big red state butt rock into it. And that's cool. Like, you know, we're eight, nine, ten tracks into this album, and they're throwing new stuff out there. I always appreciate when a band does that. Yeah, um, I, I can agree with that for sure. But track nine, The Gray... Again, it, it, it almost feels like the same kind of song. I like the riffs a little bit more in the gray. It's a little heavier, but it's still just sort of, I, I feel like we've kind of heard this song enough already. The first note I have for the gray is let's kill the momentum from the previous song with a really slow opener and give a false sense of heavy. Yeah, like it's, it's like I said, it is kind of heavier but it it's doesn't like you said almost false heavy like there's something about it that i don't know it just drags like i want it i like i'm ready for it and then it it kind of lets me down yeah so it fits the theme of the record but it, and i wouldn't say it's filler it's still a good track and it's not as slow of a burn as the first track was the 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 chorus you know makes this song a banger makes this song a good song but this isn't a standout track to me by any means but this is another example of where their choruses are great and they're big but the rest of the song kind of left me hanging especially coming off of the energy of just pretend before it and i didn't need that in my life i didn't need that and i i feel like it was again not filler I feel like it was an intentional track, but it's not a track that they walked away from in the studio going, this is a good one. I feel like they said, this is one that we did, we feel good about, and we're going to put on the album and be okay with it. And and to your point, Concrete Jungle at least has sort of like a kind of rhythm that kind of keeps yep. the pace up. This yep. one doesn't have that. No. So it's, it's literally just like, heavy riffs strewn together by mediocre verses. It, I just, yeah, like this one's fine, but definitely feels like filler for sure. So now we're going to talk about where for me, we take a turn and suddenly we get a different album, except for one track, which I'll, I'll mention. Well, okay. All right. Okay. So push back on, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Push back, push back all you want to. So, this is where I feel like we really get into the uh, dark emo night uh, club, you know, rave deal. Like, you know, give me swooped hairs with pacifiers, basically, from this point forward. Yeah. So, track 10, who are you? Yeah. 
Yes. Very similar to Bad Decisions. It just sounds like a modern pop song, but this time sung by a girl. If yep. you would have told me this was the new hit song from Selena Gomez, I probably would have believed you. They and, lean they lean much heavier into the soft electronic pop, the synth pop. Yeah. Yes. There is a lot to compliment here, but and the band does pull the sound off, but there's a lot to criticize within this as well. This is kind of um, a hodgepodge synth pop song. And for all of those counting at home, this is track three that Monster would cut from this album. I would just I, I would put this on the uh, the, 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 the EP, solo record the the electronic EP the, um, the we're it, gonna we're gonna call it we're gonna call it the bad Noah album the or the Noah Omens album. <laughs> I, I like I like the bad Omens Noah Sebastian like so you have P O N S bonds we'll just say just bonds real big on it I like it okay um, or oh, the uh, um. What was the, 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 oh, I'm losing what the guy's name was. It was the Alan Parsons project. So it'd be the, the Noah Sebastian project. Uh, So what's interesting though, is I'm saying just so, just so everyone listening is clear, I'm saying, get rid of these songs. I don't want to hear them again. Okay. Danger is saying, let's keep them. I just don't want them here. Which is funny because I think if we actually sat down and talked about it, when it comes to just straight up modern pop music, I I would tend to think I'm a bigger fan of that than you are. Yes. We don't need to talk about it because that's what we're doing now. You are a bigger fan. You are. Yes. For me, for some reason, these songs just, and I don't know if if it's a chocolate in my peanut butter situation where it's like, two things I love that I'm not happy or mixing or something. I don't know, but are you not happy when chocolate mixes with peanut butter? Okay. I think that's the problem. Okay. On songs like this one and bad decisions, they're not mixing. They sound like they're like, they sound like, uh, like the opposite poles of magnets, like trying to like distance themselves. And I don't understand. Like, why is there no live instruments in here? Like, why did you decide to just leave all that out? So on that one, I'm going to actually point out that this is one of the places where the muddy instruments actually glares the worst, in my opinion. I was going to say, there might be live instruments in there, but they're not made to sound like it. There are live instruments here. And whereas they are mixed and engineered perfectly in a lot of places, this is one of the places where they're not. And you can hear them if you're trying to hear them. And that's the problem with it is the soft electronic track is too much in the foreground on this one. And you're not hearing the band. You're hearing whoever it was that was mixing that part of things. And Mm -hmm. when I got to kind of, I don't know, about halfway to mid or halfway to end of this song, the name reflects the song. The, I mean, because I sat here going, who who are you, Bad Omens? Like, what what are you doing here? I don't understand okay. this. So, so if I can compliment one thing, I will say, I think Noah sounds very sassy when he responds with, depends who's asking. Yeah. I do like that. Um, not enough to make me ever want to listen to the song again, but I could at least chuckle a little whenever he got full sass. Um, now... But interestingly enough, track 11, Somebody Else. 
which to me is very similar sonically to those, I like a little bit better. I don't love it, but I like it. I like it a little bit better. And it is sonically the same. It's another easy electronic track that uh, just kind of makes you, you know, kind of chill out. But this one's got a hip hop beat to it. It has a hip hop beat and it has a little bit of a, I don't want to say funky guitar line, but it has a little life in it. Like, I think that's the difference. This one sounds livelier. Yep. And that that's really the only thing different about this track from the one before to me is I think this belongs on the, the, the solo EP. I think it's a fine song. I think it's a better song than who are you, but I don't think that this one really works. The style doesn't work for this album, especially that great front half of the album. Or was it half because it was, uh, okay. So nine tracks. Yeah. I'm going to go nine tracks. Nine is a solid album to me. And I feel like the closure to that nine track album is actually a little bit later, but somebody else just doesn't quite hit for me. I like the little guitar line. I like that it's upbeat, but this one to me is like where I was saying bad decisions and who, who are you cut them. I'm saying this one is like, I'm okay with like it's not one that i would necessarily seek out but if it's on i'm not like mad about it so this one i feel like is better somebody else i feel like is better than bad decisions and if you had actually swapped this with bad decisions and made this the slowdown i would have been okay with that i still just don't think bad decisions is a great song and no i'm I'm gonna agree with you i don't think bad decisions was a good move i think it was like you said a bad decision Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm complimenting you on your danger pump. Thank you. So, so track 12, IDWT dollar sign, which I think means I don't want the money. Yes. Okay, so this one is interesting for me because when it starts, I'm kind of like, oh, great, modern synth pop again. And I'm sort of like checking out a little bit. But this one at least starts to build and you get that heavy guitar breakdown stuff from the first couple tracks again. So I don't love this song, but I'm willing to sit through the first half to get to the back half. Because what I will say is the very end, like the last 10 to 20 seconds, is some of the coolest stuff on this album. It's just tacked on to the back end of a less than stellar song. Right. And that's one of my biggest issues with this song is the last half is good. It, it's good. It's enjoyable. But you got to work to get there. You do. And, and it's not like a sleep token song where you're like building and you're feeling it and you're feeling it. It's more like, okay, let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Or if you could just skip ahead to it, then then you do that but then you kind of miss a bit of the feeling before it or whatever. I'm going to 100% agree with you that it's not like a sleep token build, 
where it's like you're you're slowly getting there and you're enjoying the whole process. Yeah. With I don't want the money, you're working to get to it, and I don't want to work through an album. Right. You know, there have been albums that we have brought where it's one or the other just isn't feeling it, and we're doing it for the purpose of this, and that's what I feel like this song was. This song was necessary to get through to talk about here. Okay. We do introduce a, you know, a, a cross of metalcore and trance or house music even. It gives us electronic uh, an electronic breakdown and Noah screams in the back and that cool. I'll give them props for risky experimentation. But this is one that it's put it on that that solo EP because you're making me work to get to the the back half. Now, if you gave me, uh, you know, the first quarter of the song that, uh, you know, metalcore trance stuff, and then gave me the you know the last you know two thirds of what of of the good song that we're talking about, I'll take it all day long. But there's just too much to get to that good point. And for me, are, are, are you done with that song? Well, now we can go on to talk about track 13. What do you want from me? Now, I will say where... I don't want the money left off. What do you want from me? Picked up. And the thing about it mm-hmm. is, what do you want from me? I wanted more of this before. I don't think that this was a standout for the album, but I do think this is the most dark rave emo night that we get off of this album. Well, through and through. It does give us a heavy ass breakdown uh, right at the end of the track. We just sat through like 25 minutes worth of modern dark pop synth stuff. And all of a sudden KMFDM shows up and kicks the door down. And we've got this like in German industrial rock song out of nowhere. And I was like, I think it, I probably like got chills or like nearly passed out the first time I heard it because I was like, well, that's unexpected. And thank you, God. So the, again, you, you would talk about, the track listing sort of coloring your opinion of songs. Maybe I don't love this song four or five, six tracks into an album, but at track 13, after sitting through a lot of songs that were boring to me, I love this. Like I was having a great time with this song. I like this one. And yeah, there at the end, you got that Mick Gordon drop G sharp, whatever the hell it is tuning, just guitar. Uh, this is cool one. I like this one. So I like this one too. And what I did was I didn't listen to the album for a chunk of time. And then I sat down and went straight to this song. I put on What Do You Want From Me to figure out, do I like this song because we just had a slog? Or do I like this song because it's a good song? Now, here's the thing I found within that. I liked it, but this wasn't one of the better songs on the album for me. 
I liked it more because we just got what we just got. You know, it did give us the industrial, you know, it basically gave us a friendly nine inch nails. And yeah, and it was it was good. It was a good move for the album. But this isn't a standout for this album. I feel like it, it feels like it is because of what we just went through. But this is a dance track of breakdowns. That's all this is. But so so if you followed what I was saying at home, if you cut out what it costs, you cut out bad decisions and you cut out who are you and you have you still have somebody else and you still have IDWTWALGBT. I don't want the money. You still I, have, I don't. <laughs> uh, this one, I think, still feels like a fresh breath air. A breath of fresh air. Fresh of breath air. I'm going to use yeah, that. Yeah, fresh of breath air. It still feels like a new thing that's exciting, but it's not. I think you kind of balance out. Like it might not blow you away, but it's still going to feel good when it comes around. Right. I okay. like this one. I, I could agree. get behind. I, I don't dislike this one, but I feel like you'll like this one more if you actually work through what we just went through. But by itself, it's not as good as the fresher breath air that you were talking about. You know, it, it's kind of a weird, a weird thing. It's kind of like, okay, so episode three of Star Wars was, felt like a better movie than it was because two, one and two were so bad. Okay. I, I can give you that. I can give, that's not the, that's not the worst analogy I've ever heard. Yeah. But I've, I've, I'm, I've said worse. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of talking to that about that song because I want to talk about track 14, Artificial Suicide. The heaviest song on this album. Bad Omens, I should come over there and kick your ass for making me wait this long. This song is gnarly. And the oh, fact it that it takes 50 minutes to get to makes me so furious. God, I love this song. Now, now this is it. not an example of what I was talking about where it's so good because of what we just went through. This is just a damn good track on its own. It's like it, this is this is what I feel like should have been the album closer to the beginning album that we talked about, you know, the uh, up to track nine. This is just a killer Song. I want to say this is actually the one that he went backstage and came out with a sleep or a, 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 a ski mask, which would, would make sense would to make me if he did it. Yeah. And uh, so this is where the theatrics enter the picture, or I don't want to say enter the picture, but this is where it's like, oh, this where we've gotten real big with purpose is the heaviest this, song, heavy as hell. This he, song gives me huge, like late 90s, early 2000s industrial metal, like moto grader fear factory like just pummels you over the head and i as far as swearing goes i'm not offended by swearing i i think some kind sometimes you swear like in weird places just for whatever reason but this might be the best use of mf -er i have heard in a song in years oh it slots in so nicely he uses it like as an exclamation point and yeah, it just and i like it i love it love it so we have seen where Noah can really shine in the high end of things, the falsettos and all. And now we're seeing where he's really shining in the low end of things in his deep guttural growls and his death core screams. And, 
you know, sure, we got some digital sounding verses. But yeah, there's even this break in between the heavy parts that gave me a little bit of like a stabbing westward vibe. For an eye tooth, for a tooth, light molotovs for the broken youth. Can you hear me through the white noise? Yeah. Which again just adds to that like techno industrial slant that's in there. Yeah. So this is a, just a heavy damn track. And I'm going to agree with you that why did you make me wait this long to get here? Now, I've known this album for, for a while, and I didn't even realize this was here. And I think it's because we get to a certain point in the album where I'm done. I, I start checking out. And when I sat down to listen to this all the way through, I was caught off guard by the fact that it's like, oh, this is here. This is, this, this is, yeah, not only is this here, but Bad Omens is here because you have made your presence known. And you would know better than I would, but I get the impression this is, maybe not exactly, but this is closer to what they used to sound like. I bet their older stuff is a little more in this vein than songs like Bad Decision. Some of it is. And that's the weird thing about Bad Omens is they've always kind of been a band that kind of lives in different spaces. But, oh. you know, we definitely get a lot more of the uh, the the electronic, the trance stuff. Now, there's a song that it's a, it's a crowd pleaser called Pearly Gates, and it's off of an earlier album, and it's much more along these lines. Yeah, so you do have a lot more of this in their older stuff, but you do also have a lot more of the lighter side as well. It's kind of, if you want to hear, know what they sound like, go back and listen to it. That's the Got best it. answer I can give you for that. Now we're going to talk about the closer to this that has a sleep talk opener or a sleep token opener, <laughs> Bad Miracles. <laughs> or excuse me, not Bad Miracles. <laughs> I was thinking Bad Omens in it. Okay, song just called Miracle. So, sleep token opener through and through. And I didn't get, I, I didn't, you know, get how much of the opener was there, but it's a sleep token intro. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. But then we go into what sounds like a nursery rhyme to a metalcore banger throughout this entire song. And it's written as it should be a closer, but it didn't come out that way. I, I don't feel like it did. I feel like this one should have actually been elsewhere in the album. And, you know, if you want to make us wait to get a heavy track like Artificial Suicide, make that your closer. Sure. I don't think this is a bad song, but I don't think it's a good song either. Same. Same. Yeah. I... I think coming out of artificial suicide being that it is so aggressive doing something like this that is like aggressive adjacent like it's not yeah. a heavy song necessarily but you know it's heavier than some of the straight pop tracks from earlier i don't mind this being the end i, I don't mind this being the way you go out given especially since the first song has um 
a similar kind of beat to it. Yeah, I I, I kind of don't mind us ending in a similar vibe, like where the first song builds up. I think this one kind of builds out, and you've got those like weird Atari sounds at the very end and stuff. I don't know. This one's okay. I, uh, middle of the pack. It's fine. Yeah. You know, it's not good, but it's not bad. It's fine. You know, I feel like this was a fine track. I don't think this should be the closer. I'm going to stand by that. Yeah. But I do really find the, you know, this being the last track, it still left me wanting more especially coming out of artificial suicide into yeah, this. Like, yeah. so, so to your point, so here's something that I did and I, and I really do think that you should, you know, if you're a big fan of bands and albums, it's fun to play with the track listings and rearrange things and, and just experiment. Like if you got the time, do that kind of thing and it's fun and it'll really change the whole mood of an album. It will. And, you mentioned earlier starting uh, at track 13, What Do You Want From Me? Just to hear if it's a good standalone song. If you start there and then the album starts back over after Miracle and you hit one, two, three, four, that's a damn good album. Like that's yeah. like you're you're you know, you're driving and it takes much longer before that slowdown hits. So I think this is one that, again, I would nix those three or, you know, three or four songs, get them yeah. on the EP or whatever. But, and then you've got a really solid 11 to 12 nightclub core, metal core rock album that's, hey, look, you told, you, you were just pulling out the Spotify numbers. They don't need my advice. They're doing just fine. Yeah. But for my personal taste, I just, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, they are doing fine. I think they sell out most shows they play. They don't play, you know, the Taylor Swift size arenas of, you know, 80,000 people, but they, they're doing just fine. Personally, if I was in a band like, in a band like Bad Omens, I would want to play the big, you know, I think, I feel like the, the smaller environment is more fitting. Now, you know, at Blue Ridge, they're usually on the medium stage. They're not on the main stage. I don't think they're on the yeah. main stage this year. I don't really see them as being a main stage act, and I'm okay with that. I actually go for the mid-level bands anyway. Okay, so a, a good, uh, a funny analogy to that, my, my band, Red Letter Rising, had a show at a, a pretty big Christian music festival in Indiana, and we were really excited because we were on the main stage and not the side stage. But the problem is we played at like 11 a.m. Right. on the main stage, whereas I would have much rather played at 7.30 p.m. on the side stage, you know? Yeah. So I, I I agree. There's something about being like a really big underground band, you yeah. know, like that's that's a cool thing to have. Yeah. Now, I can tell you that they did give them a uh, 7.30 slot on the medium stage, and I think it's going to be great. Uh, last year they played middle of the day and, and this is dark. Like, like we keep talking about sort of the imagery and stuff. They're not as like theatrical as a sleep token or something like that, but they, they do have this dark vibe about them yep. that, yeah, the sun going down kind of as they're going through, I think will be a cool vibe. 
Now, last year, I don't remember who played Dusk every every day, but we did see Thrice one day during Dusk, and it was raining, and it was just a really oh. cool vibe overall. It was it was great, and they played. I don't know if you ever heard it, but they've got a great cover of Helter Skelter. And they played that during it. It was it's great. If you haven't oh. listened to it, go listen to it. But the cover Eleanor Rigby. That's that's what I've heard. But anyway. uh, go listen to Helter Skelter. Great, oh, great. All right, you want to give me your closing thoughts on Battle? Sure. So this is a solid example of that modern metalcore hard rock sound that's really popular right now. This slots in very well. Next to bands like Thornhill, Cane Hill, Code Orange, stuff like that. Bands that mix metalcore with new metal, all with that modern pop sheen to gloss over it. Uh, these guys seem to lean a little harder into the pop for most of this album, but when they go heavy, they do a great job of it. I could honestly do without three or four of these songs. I love the first few songs, and I love the last few songs, but some of the stuff in the middle just doesn't work for me. For a lot of people, I'm sure the straight-up pop songs are a feature, not a bug. But for me, they kill the momentum on an otherwise above-average modern metalcore record. Uh, there's songs on this album that I think are the cream of the crop in this genre, but there's a lot that also feels disjointed and confused. If you cut a couple songs and trim up a couple more, I think I love this album. As a whole, I think it's a little bloated, and if it was trimmed up, I would give it a higher score. But as it is, still, 1 to 10, I give it a 7. That's a interesting move. And oh, I'll explain okay. why. So, yes, please do. All right. If I want a heavy album that also dances, this is it. The mix-up of modern metal, Nine Inch Nails, and Inner Party System, and this is what you get. And Inner Party System is another very small, like, kind of... I was going to say, I don't even know that one. Yeah. This album also brings to the table what it what was started before by bands like Linkin Park did. They are making heavy music more accessible. A good third of the album is filled with the synth pop slow tracks. While they do show Noah singing, when you give an album that hits this hard, uh, they feel out of place. Overall, this is a very solid entry in the metalcore bloodline. Bad Omens found a niche with catchy hooks, choruses, and can craft a breakdown all while working in a heavy synth sound that will make it feel more comfortable. I appreciate the mix-up of moods, but not this much. I also gave this album a seven. Hey, yeah. right on. Yeah, so... I figured, funny, I figured you and I would kind of be in sync on this, and we really did. Like, it was a whole lot of just patting each other on the back. Yeah, yeah. I hope so, that makes for an exciting episode. Yes. So... <laughs> That puts Bad Omens at number three on overall. Both of us gave it a seven, which puts it at a seven. And uh, right above or right below Sleep Token at 8.1. And right above Thornhill, that also is a seven. So tied with with Thornhill, Dark Pole, and Coheed and Cambria and Keeping Secrets. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, which I could see this actually tying Coheed and Cambria for me personally. Yeah. Okay. I, I would have an easier time listening to this record in full than I would listening to the Coheed and Cambria record in full. Okay. Okay. I can I understand would, that. But, I mean, 
Not when I make my when I make my eleven track version of this Bad Omens album, it's gonna rule. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if anybody out there is interested in hearing the uh, track listing that we're talking about, taking out or mixing around, you let us know. I'll be more than happy to make a Spotify playlist for you. But if you have a suggestion on any album that you'd like to hear us talk about, if you have a comment on something that we've said, if you want to just tell us that we're wrong, you know, all this is subjective anyway. So, you know, we'll tell you that your opinion is wrong. Either shoot us an email at dangerandsarge at gmail.com or check out our Facebook page. It's uh, Breakdowns for Breakfast. And make sure you pick the one with our logo, with our faces, because there is another Breakdowns for Breakfast out there that's been inactive for a while, but they still do show up. So... If you go to facebook.com backslash breakdowns for breakfast 2023, facebook.com backslash breakdowns for breakfast 2023, there it is. And we've only got like 25 followers. We need to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. (laughs) So shoot us a message there. Give us a comment. Give us a like, whatever. Monster, what album are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to jump back to those late 90s college rock alternative days, and we're going to listen to an album I loved as a kid. We'll see how I feel now. Athenium's Radiance from April 7th, 1998. Have a great day, and no matter what, always go against the grain.